This might be the weirdest show I ever did. <laughs> uh, I have no monitor tonight. I can't hear myself. I spent 20 over some odd years in radio, and I always had headphones on, which is why I wear them now. I don't necessarily need to wear them, but I prefer to. And usually I have myself fed into my ears, along with all the other audio to the show. Uh, I Thank you, Jono. I assume that means you can hear me. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't have a monitor tonight. I can hear my sound effects. By the way, I didn't do my usual intro. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. <sighs> I can't even hear the sound effects. Anyway, it's 6.01 in, uh, on the West Coast, 9.01 on the East Coast of America, 2 o'clock in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's a return to the Dark Ages. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that tonight, that's for sure. This might get banned on YouTube. This show might get banned. Maybe even Facebook. I don't know, and frankly, I don't give a crap. So, it is what it is. Uh, we got, yeah, mask insanity. We're going to talk about that tonight. A little bit, a little bit. And we got some other things, some weird, wacky, wonderful sort of things going on uh, that have been happening during the last couple of days. And of course, coming up uh, later on tonight, uh, we will be reading another chapter in Tom Sawyer from Mark Twain. We read classic books on the show. I know, but it's just that kind of a show. We do weird stuff here. So welcome to my weird world. We cover the poignant, the humanitarian niceness, the weirdos, the pain in the ass things that happen. And then we read books just to settle everything down. In case, you know, you need a break sometimes from all the headlines and the fear mongering and the panic porn that's out there. Nice to just take a little part of an hour and relax and think about something else for a change. Uh, all right, if it's going to work, and I don't know that it is, let's see if we can get this little update underway. Miko update. Miki, Miki, Miko update. I don't have a whole lot to update you tonight because it's uh, nothing really big deals happened. She's, we, we made her some pumpkin. I, I steamed up half a pumpkin. Because pumpkin's very good for dogs' digestive system, and it's good for them in general. Uh, she, the first time we tried this months and months ago, she didn't like the pumpkin. Now she actually likes it. So, yeah, she's eating some pumpkin along with her regular food, and uh, she's doing well. She's still being a bit of a priss when it comes to eating. She prefers to be hand-fed. I don't know how we're ever going to break her of this habit. We made the mistake one time when she wasn't eating much of hand-feeding her. And now she wants to be hand-fed all the time. She is a Ponsri. She is a little prima donna by every stretch of the imagination. But we love her dearly, and we would do anything for her. So she's doing very well. All right, so that's our, our Miko update for tonight. Uh, what else have we got? Yeah, okay. Uh, I got a bunch of different articles. They're all related. And they have to do with the fact that we are going into the endemic phase of this whole virus crap that we've been living with for over two years now. And they've announced some new SOPs 
the relaxing of some, the not relaxing of others. In fact, one of them is the one that I'm going to have a problem with tonight. But uh, the one that really sums it up pretty well, uh, as usual, the World of Buzz. Thank you, World of Buzz. This link is in our show notes tonight, along with all the links of everything we talk about. So you can check out the whole articles uh, in our show notes. That's the description down below. Whether you're watching live, whether you're watching the video replay on Rumble or Twitch or Facebook or your YouTube uh, or listen to our podcast, our audio-only part of the show. Thank you for all of our podcast listeners. Really appreciate your subscriptions. That went up again this week. Thank you. Hundreds of people download our show every week. I don't know. I- I'm just amazed, but I love you and thank you. It really, really means the world to me. Thank you for, for that. You will find our podcast if you want to check it out. Anywhere you find your podcasts, you know, whatever it is, you, wherever platform you you check it out on, Spotify, Google, iTunes, Apple, whatever it is, uh, Geo7, whatever platform, check it out. Just search for I'm Not Wearing Pants or Jay Sheldon. Look for that logo. And that's us. Click the subscribe button. It's that easy and it's free. We provide low-quality entertainment three nights a week. So check it out. All right, here we go. Uh, this stupidity, I swear to God. Uh, 13 SOPs Malaysians need to follow during the endemic phase, which starts on the 1st of April, so less than a month from now. Um, the prime minister announced the country's moving towards the endemic phase, effective April 1st. And just this afternoon, the health minister, uh, Kyrie, had announced the latest SOPs for people when the country transitions into the Endemicity. Is that how you say that word? I never heard of it before. Endemicity, I guess. Anyway, uh, okay, here's, they start off with the most stupid one, and that is the use of a face mask is still a must in public places, except for open spaces without crowds. (sighs) I've said this before, I'll say it again. There is not one solid piece of scientific evidence. Even the WHO and the, you know, the idiots at the CDC, even the Lord God King Bufu Saint Fauci, who changes his mind every week and comes up with something new. Although, have you noticed lately he's completely disappeared? Mm. Anyway, there's a, a lot of studies out there, and, and frankly, none of them do anything to support the efficacy of masks. They are a waste of space. And if you're wearing a cloth mask, it's virtually like you might as well just not be wearing anything. It's just, it's a symbol. That's all it is. You want to wear a symbol on your face? Knock yourself out. But for some reason, among all the things that they're lightening up on, the one useless thing, which is face masks, is still a must. Like tonight, we went to dinner. So we wear a mask when we get out of the car, we wear a mask into the restaurant, and then we sit down in the restaurant, and apparently the virus will attack you if you're standing, but if you're sitting down to take your mask off and eat, suddenly, you know, it doesn't go below, like, what, about five feet? The airspace may be different. See, this is what I'm talking about, stupidity of the whole thing. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's one. There's a whole bunch of these new things. A check-in with my Sajatra is a must. That's our little, uh, you know, tracking thing that we have here. Um, if you want to maintain your fully vaccinated status 
Uh, age 60 plus Sinovac recipients aged 18 plus for the first two doses must receive a booster jab before April 1st. Okay. Uh, the prayers are going to be allowed without any physical distancing. Nightclubs will remain closed. Okay. So, so this crowd here is okay. This crowd here is not okay. That makes sense. Uh, oh, uh, businesses can open for their regular posted hours, which means 24-hour mamak stalls are now able to operate 24 hours. Imagine that. And travelers, if you're thinking of coming to visit Malaysia, uh, if you're quarantined, you can end your isolation period on the 1st of April. There. Children under 17 not required for a quarantine, regardless of their vaccination status, but RTK tests 24 hours upon arrival are mandatory. Um unvaccinated partially vaccinated travelers need to be isolated for five days okay uh relevant documents required for those exempted from the vaccine interstate travel allowed regardless of your vaccination status like that hasn't been happening anyway please get real uh oh the antiviral pill paxlovid is going to be prescribed for people recovering from the virus and people are still encouraged to work from home in order to curb the spread in the workplace. Yeah. Okay. So let me just share with you this other article, which you will find in our show notes tonight. And I like to get my sources from more than just, you know, one type of source to show you. For example, this is MSN. And frankly, MSN is the most left-wing liberal idiots you could possibly find out there. I make no bones about the fact that I am center-right, relatively conservative, and uh, in, in most areas. M uh, MSN obviously is so far left they've almost circled around. Do masks really work? The best studies suggest they don't. Read the article. It depends on the study is the answer, really. But there's all kinds of stuff here from uh, all kinds of studies that show that, for the most part, they don't. That is one of the articles that we have uh, in our show notes tonight. And uh, on the other side of the coin is, let me see, my, my machine is very slow tonight. I don't know why. Uh, on the other side of the coin is this uh, from the, you know, the Malay Mail. Masks still mandated for COVID-19. People abroad no longer wear them. Okay. I don't really like promoting what this guy has to say for obvious reasons. But frankly, he's not wrong. Says uh, people abroad don't wear masks anymore. And honestly, for the most part, in most countries, people aren't because they realize they're useless. Uh you know, you do you. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But don't tell me I have to wear one. Uh, anyway, so there's a little a little backlash going on here, a little infighting in and amongst the uh, politicians. And I'm trying to get all this caught up here. Um, there is another link from swprs.org. And uh, the headline is, Are Masks Effective? The Evidence. And... These are all kinds of studies here from the U.S. CDC, the WHO Review, uh, Danish Randomized Controlled Trial, 
plus one European CDC Oxford Center for you can tell these are, you know, these are the big guys. And most of these articles here will tell you what I'm saying is that masks are a ridiculous waste of time and they do virtually nothing, particularly cloth masks, to prevent you from catching a virus or a cold or just about anything else. Um, so check out the articles, please. Make up your own mind. Make your own decision. I just don't think uh, the government or anybody else should be telling us whether or not we're going to do something that proves to be completely useless for the most part. Uh, okay, here's one for you. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> this is from uh, 2019, but it relates, so, so stay with me. This is Okay, we're off the mask subject now, okay? It's stupid, but, you know, it's just a nice virtual signal that, uh, you know, yeah. We love to... We love to obey the gods above, or at least the ones in Parliament, uh, or the Congress. Burger King in South Africa is dropping the word ham from hamburger in order to avoid offending anyone. I'm not kidding. Burger King <laughs> removes the word ham from hamburger. I, honestly, I, I don't know what to say. The stupidity, honestly, the stupidity with some of these people. Burger King, what is the matter with you? I love your food, frankly. Of all the fast foods, I think it's my favorite. But if you're going to do this woke crap like this, I, I might have to, I might have to think about Texas or Church's chicken. <laughs> That's what I might wind up doing. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's okay because not to be outdone, I went and dug up some stories from a while ago here in Malaysia. South Africa has not cornered the market on stupid things they do to not offend anybody. Check this one out from back in 2016. Auntie Anne's, which is a pretzel franchise, basically, was ordered to rename hot dogs in case... People think they contain real dog meat. <laughs> yes, I know. I know I'm serious. This is the article. It's in our show notes. Uh, there you go. They have these pretzel-wrapped hot dogs. They're hot dogs, okay? But apparently some people are just too freaking stupid to know that a hot dog doesn't have any dog in it. Um, Prime Minister's Department said this was 2016, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, seven years ago. You got to catch up, uh, South Africa. Uh, they, it won't force Auntie Anz to change the hot dog's name if the company can make a case. Uh, earlier this week, they ordered Auntie Anz, Anz to rename its pretzel dogs in the Muslim country because people might think the snack contained dog meat. I'm sorry. I know Malaysians from all walks of life and all income levels, from titled people to completely the least titled, untitled people. And I don't know any one of them that's that stupid. Not one. 
They told the fast food chain to banish the word dog from its menu and suggested it renamed its pretzel-wrapped frankfurter to pretzel sausage. Mm. And just in case you think it ended there, it didn't. Here's another one from the dailymail.co.uk. Links in the show notes. An IT company is forced to apologize. This one's my favorite. And pulls an advertising campaign after its wombat logo. It's a wombat from Australia. A wombat. It was mistaken for a pig. Suncorp pulled their digital ad, issued an apology. Look, don't apologize when these idiots, you know, try and, you know, make a name for themselves by doing stupid things. They explained what a wombat was, not related at all to a pig. Uh, Dozens of people complained after they mistook it for a pig. Dozens. Others defended the company and apologized on behalf of the protesters. Well, good on you. This is the ad. This is the wombat. They pulled the ad and they apologized, which please don't do that. I told those guys down in Johor that were arrested for indecent photographs who apologized. You just given in to these fools. You given in to the morons. You're making them feel more powerful. They're not but you're making them feel like they've accomplished something. They haven't. Don't apologize when you don't need to. Hey, you need to apologize, apologize. But when you don't need to, you got nothing to apologize for, there's no need to do it. Not even save face, whatever. Ridiculous. All right, what else we got? Have I been banned yet? Am I shut down yet? Afterwards, when the algorithms, you know, detect all the controversial things I said tonight, then they'll shut me down, which would be great. Take a day off. Obligated orb. Whoa. Where have you been, dude? Thank you for popping by. It's been like a millennia. It's just been forever. It's great to see you, bud. Oh, man. Wow. Great to have you along for the ride. Nice to nice to hear from you. I still follow you on Twitter. Um yeah, I don't see you post too much, but it may just be that you're not coming up in my feed. But yeah, uh, anyway, good good to have you there. Missed your streams. Well, you didn't miss this one. That's a good thing. We, uh, By the way, we don't usually get as controversial, uh, as controversial as we did tonight with the mask bullcrap and, and this whole stupidity of people complaining about things they really shouldn't be complaining about. But tonight we got into it a little bit. We got we got a bunch of other weird stuff too, so don't don't go too far away. Uh, I don't post much. Okay, exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it's great to see you again, Obligated Orb. Thanks for popping in. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Here's another weird one from the World of Buzz. Oh man, I love you guys, World of Buzz. Links in the show notes. Check it out. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been married, your wife's been pregnant. You know, pregnant women have cravings. Their hormones are racing, things are going crazy in the body, and it makes for cravings. You go out for, you know, ice cream at 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever weird cravings people have. Um, Well, this story, 
came out in the world of buzz. Uh, woman has a pregnancy craving to bite her husband's fingers. And he obliges. Look at this. Look at this picture. This is the dude. This is the wife biting his fingers. Now, I've heard of all kinds of food cravings before. But I have never heard of cravings like this. Biting his finger. Pregnancy cravings get pretty weird, the writer writes, uh, unachievable at times. Now, this woman has proven the pregnancy cravings are not just limited to food, but also can extend to actions. TikToker uh, Errol Tunga documented the struggles he faces in a TikTok video when his wife's pregnancy cravings hit. There's the, uh, there's, there's the video. Let me mute that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is him putting up with her biting his finger. There you go. She's biting his fingers because she's got a craving. I. In the video, his face can be seen twisted in agony uh, while, uh, while he asked about what kind of pregnancy cravings other women face. And then he revealed that his wife has a pension to bite his fingers. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, the video then turns to face his wife biting his fingers absentmindedly while scrolling on her phone. And even when he pulls his fingers away, she would look for it and bite on it again, which is akin to a baby's tendencies maybe when they're teething. There's a picture of the wife biting his... Yeah, poor guy. You're right, obligated orb. Oh, man. He then revealed in the video she bites his fingers with the force of to the point that it will leave teeth marks. Look at this. Oh, come on. This is insane. Okay. Suddenly, your wife wanting ice cream and pickles at 3 o'clock in the morning doesn't seem like all that bad of a craving. <laughs> anyway, you want to read the whole article, watch the video. It's in our show notes. Yeah, ouch is exactly right. Ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> Man. All right. Have you seen the new Batman movie? Have you watched it? I have not yet. Um, I saw a review of uh, of Michael Keaton's back Batman, and I, you know, to me, Michael Keaton. I know there's going to be a, a whole thing about this, but you have seen it. Did you like it? Uh, Michael Keaton to me was the ultimate Batman. I loved him as Batman. It showed. I mean, Birdman for Michael Keaton was unbelievable film. Unbelievable film, Birdman. If you've never seen it, please watch it. But uh, Keaton, to me, took Batman to a place that, that made sense. Um, all the other Batmans, Val Kilmer, nah. Uh, now, it's uh, Twilight Guy. I know. I can't see him as anything other than Twilight Guy. I've been told he does a remarkable job. Don't know, haven't seen the film yet. Give him his due. He's an actor. He can act. So, see how. I don't know. But uh, anyway, things got a bit batty at one of the previews for the new Batman movie. When a real bat appeared during a screening of the Batman in Austin, Texas, a movie house and eatery by 
Sinopolis, Sinopolis says the bat was likely released as a prank into the theater. Moviegoers in Austin, Texas got to see more than one type of bat during the screening. An actual bat was spotted swooping around inside the theater, putting the movie on pause while management called animal control and tried unsuccessfully to get rid of the critter. Guests were offered their money back, but they chose to stick it out and watch the film anyway. Bat and all, according to one moviegoer. They say the bat was likely released into the theater as a prank. Uh, The theater's GM, Heidi Denno, said they'll be adding additional security and checking all bags. Probably should check for, you know, bat cages, too, uh, when the guests enter. No reports of anyone being bitten, uh, and less than 1% of bats in the wild actually have rabies, which, you know, was the biggest fear. But yes, they were at the premiere of Batman, and someone probably released a real bat. But, you know, you think about it. You see, you've got the, the movie playing, the theater is dark, the projectors sending it up to the screen, and all of a sudden, vroom, the bat flies in. I think that'd be kind of cool, actually. Anyway, uh, Obligated says it was three hours long, really good. Robert did a pretty good job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it creates an immersive atmosphere. That's exactly right, uh, Obligated Orb. (laughs) Not a a bad take. I think I would kind of like that idea. Getting a... Getting a bat. Keep the bat. There you go. Keep the bat. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. What else have we got? We got we to do our book. That's what we got. Wow. We've done like a half an hour here, and it's time to move on into our, uh, into our book. Um, we read classic books on this show, if you didn't know that already. And we have done a bunch. We've done The Wizard of Oz, uh, The Little Prince, Peter Pan, uh, Christmas Carol for the holidays. We've done so many of these, and uh, we're going to continue. We're, we've been doing uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer from Mark Twain, and uh, written in 1876. We're going to continue. I think we're up to chapter 26 tonight, and um, it's a long book, but it's a great one. It really is. In fact, I'm thinking about, after this, going on to his more famous novel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. So we'll see. We'll see how long that one is. But in the meantime, we've been doing uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And we always start with this little word of warning. This was written in 1876. Some of the words that are used in this book were appropriate in 1876, and that includes the N-word. Today, obviously, those words are not so appropriate. However, fair warning, we are reading exactly the words on the page the way Mark Twain wrote them in 1876. So if that sort of thing offends you, you might want to find something else to do for the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes. So having said that, it is time to move on and move up to the adventures of Tom Sawyer chapter, yeah, chapter 27. How about that? All right. Here we go. About noon the next day, the boys arrived at the dead tree. They'd come for their tools. Tom was impatient to go to the haunted house, 
Huck was measurably so also, but suddenly said, Look here, Tom. You know what day it is? Tom mentally ran over the days of the week and then quickly lifted his eyes with a startled look in them. My, I never once thought of it, Huck. Well, I didn't either. But all at once it popped into me that it was Friday. Blame it, a body can't be too careful, Huck. We might have got an awful scrape tackling such a thing on a Friday. Might, better say we would. There's some lucky days, maybe, but Friday ain't. Any fool knows that. I reckon you was the first found it out, Huck. Well, I never said I was, did I? And Friday ain't all, neither. I had a rotten, bad dream last night. Dreamt about rats. No. Sure sign of trouble. Did they fight? No. Well, that's good, Huck. When they don't fight, it's a sign that there's trouble around, you know. All we got to do is look mighty sharp, keep out of it. We'll drop this thing for today and play. Do you know Robin Hood, Huck? No. Who's Robin Hood? Why, he was one of the greatest men that ever was in England. And the best, he was a robber. Cracky, I wish it I was. Who'd he rob? Only sheriffs and bishops and rich people and kings and such like. But he never bothered the poor. He loved them. He always divided them up perfect square. Well, he must have been a brick. I bet you he was, Huck. Oh, he was the noblest man there ever was. There ain't any such man now, I tell you. He could lick any man in England with one hand tied behind his back. He could take his yo-bo and plug a ten-cent piece every time, a mile and a half. What's a yo-bo? Mm, I don't know. It's some kind of bow, of course. If he hit that dime only on the edge, he'd sit down and cry and curse. But we'll play Robin Hood. It's knobby fun. I'll learn you. I'm agreed. So they played Robin Hood all the afternoon. Now and then, casting a yearning eye down upon the haunted house and passing a remark about the morrow's prospects and possibilities there. As the sun began to sink into the west, they took their way homeward all thwart the long shadows of the trees and soon were buried from sight of the forests of Cardiff Hill. On Saturday, shortly after noon, the boys were at the dead tree again. They had a smoke and a chat in the shade, then dug a little in their last hole, but not with very great hope, merely because Tom said there were so many cases where people had given up on a treasure after getting down within six inches of it, and then somebody else had come along and turned it up with a single thrust of a shovel. This thing failed this time, however, so the boys shouldered their tools and went away feeling all the requirements that they did not truffle with fortune, but fulfilled the requirements that belonged to the business of treasure hunting. When they reached the haunted house, there was something so weird, grisly about the dead silence that reigned there under the baking sun, something so depressing about the loneliness and desolation of the place. They were afraid for a moment to venture in. Then they crept to the door, took a trem trembling peep, 
they saw a weed-grown floorless room, unplastered, an ancient fireplace, vacant windows, a ruined staircase, and here, there, and everywhere hung ragged and abandoned cobwebs. They presently entered, softly, with quickened pulses, talking in whispers, ears alert to catch the slightest sound, muscles tense and ready for an instant retreat. In a little while, familiarity modified their fears, and they gave the place a critical and interested examination, rather admiring their own boldness and wondering at it, too. Next, they wanted to look upstairs. There was something like cutting off retreat, but they got to daring each other, and of course, there could be but one result. They threw their tools in a corner and made the ascent. Up there were the same signs of decay. In one corner, they found a closet that promised a mystery, but the promise was a fraud. There was nothing in it. Their courage was up now and well in hand. They were about to go down and begin work when, Shh, said Tom. What is it? whispered Huck, blanching with fright. Shh, there it is. Hear it? Yes. Oh my, let's run. Keep still, don't you budge. They're coming right toward the door. The boys stretched themselves upon the floor with their eyes to knot holes in the plankings and lay waiting in a misery of fear. They've stopped. Nope, coming. Here they are. Don't whisper another word, Huck. My goodness, I wish I was out of this. Two men entered. Each boy said to himself, There's the old deaf and dumb Spaniard that's been about town once or twice lately. Never saw t'other man before. T'other was a ragged, unkempt creature with nothing but pleasant in his face. The Spaniard was wrapped in a serap, and he'd brushed bushy white whiskers, long white flowing hair from under his sombrero, and wore green goggles. When they came in, T'other was talking in a low voice. They sat down on the ground facing the door with their backs to the wall, and the speaker continued his remarks. His manner became less guarded, his words more distinct as he proceeded. No, he said, I've thought it all over and I don't like it. It's dangerous. Dangerous, grunted the deaf and dumb Spaniard to the vast surprise of the boys. Milksop! The voice made the boys gasp and quake. It was Injun Joe. There was silence for some time, and then Joe said, What's any more dangerous than that job up yonder? Nothing's come of it. Ah, that's different. Way up the river so. Not another house about. Don't ever be known that we tried anyway, long as we didn't succeed. Well, what's more dangerous than coming here in the daytime? Anybody would suspicion us that saw us. I know that, but there weren't any other places handy after that fool of a job. I want to quit this shanty. I wanted to yesterday, only it weren't any use to stir out of here with those infernal boys playing over there on the hill right in full view. Those infernal boys quaked again under the inspiration of this remark and thought how lucky it was that they had remembered it was Friday and concluded to wait a day. They wished in their hearts 
They'd waited a year. The two men got out some food, made a luncheon. After a long and thoughtful silence, Injun Joe said, Look here, lad. You go back up the river where you belong. Wait there till you hear from me. I'll take the chances on dropping into this town just once more for a look. We'll do that dangerous job after I've spied around a little and think things look well for it. Then, for Texas, we'll leg it together. This was satisfactory. Both men presently fell to yawning, and Injun Joe said, I'm dead for sleep. It's your turn to watch. He curled down in the weeds and soon began to snore. His comrades stirred him once or twice, then became quiet. Presently, the watcher began to nod. His head drooped lower and lower. Both men began to snore now. The boys drew a long, grateful breath. And Tom whispered, Now's our chance. Come. Huck said, I can't. I'd die if they was to wake. Tom urged. Huck held back. At last, Tom rose slowly, softly, and started alone. But the first step he made wrung such a hideous creak from the crazy floor, he sank down almost dead with fright. He never made a second attempt. The boys lay there, counting the dragging moments till it seemed to them time must be done and eternity growing gray. And then they were grateful to note that at last the sun was setting. Now one snore ceased. Injun Joe sat up, stared around, smiled grimly upon his comrade, whose head was drooping upon his knees, stirred him up with his foot, and said, Here, you're watchman, ain't you? All right. Nothing's happened. My, have I been asleep? Oh, partly, partly. Nearly time for us to be moving, Pod. What'll we do with that little swag we got left? I don't know. Leave it here as we've always done, I reckon. No... Now use it to take it away till we start south. Six hundred and fifty in silver, something to carry. Yeah, all right. Won't matter to come here once more. No, no, I'd say come in the night like we used to. It's better. Yeah, but uh, look here. It may be a good while before I get the right chance at that job. Accidents might happen. Tain't in such a very good place. We'll just regularly bury it. Bury it deep. Good idea, said the comrade, who walked across the room, knelt down, raised one of the rearward hearthstones, and took out a bag that jingled pleasantly. He subtracted from it twenty or thirty dollars for himself, and as much for Injun Joe, passed the bag to the latter, who was on his knees in the corner now, digging with his bowie knife. The boys forgot all their fears all their miseries in an instant. With gloating eyes, they watched every movement. Luck, the splendor of it all, was beyond all imagination. Six hundred dollars was money enough to make half a dozen boys rich. Here was treasure hunting under the happiest auspices. There would not be any bothersome uncertainty as to where to dig. They nudged each other every moment, elegant nudges and easily understood, for they simply meant, Oh, but ain't you glad now we're here? Joe's knife struck upon something. Hello, said he, 
What is it? said his comrade. Half rotten plank? No, no, it's a box. I believe. Here, bare hand. We'll see what it's here for. I never mind. I broke a hole. He reached his hand in and drew it out. Man, it's money. The two men examined the handful of coins. They were gold. The boys above were as excited as themselves and as delighted. Joe's comrade said, We'll make quick work of this. There's an old rusty pick over amongst the weeds in the corner by the other side of the fireplace. I saw it a minute ago. He ran and brought the boys pick and shovel. Injun Joe took the pick, looked it over critically, shook his head and muttered something to himself, and then began to use it. The box was soon unearthed. Not very large, iron-bound, had been very strong before the slow years had injured it. The men contemplated the treasure a while in blissful silence. Pard, there's a thousands of dollars in here, said Injun Joe. "'Twas always said that Murrell's gang used to be around here one summer,' the stranger observed. "'I know it,' said Injun Joe, "'and this looks like it, I should say. "'Now you won't need to do that job.' "'The half-breed frowned, said he. "'Hey, you don't know me, lest you don't know all about that thing. "'Taint robbery altogether, it's revenge.' "'And a wicked light flamed in his eyes. "'I need your help in it. When it's finished, then Texas. Go home to your Nance and your kids and stand by till you hear from me. Well, if you say so, what do we do with this? Bury it again? Yes. Ravishing delight overhead. No. By the great Satchem, no. Profound distress overhead. I'd nearly forgot. That pick had fresh earth on it. The boys were sick with terror in a moment. What business has a pick and shovel here? What business with fresh earth on them? Who brought them here and where are they gone? Have you heard anybody, seen anybody? What? Bury it again, leave them to come and see the ground disturbed? Not exactly, not exactly. We'll take it to my den. Why, of course. Might have thought of that before. You mean number one? No, number two, under the cross. Other places bad. It's too common. All right, it's nearly dark enough to start. And Injun Joe got up, went away from the window to window, cautiously peeping out. Presently, he said, Who could have brought these tools here? You reckon they could be upstairs? The boy's breath forsook them. Injun Joe put his hand on his knife, halted a moment, undecided then turned towards the stairway. The boys thought of the closet, but their strength was gone. The steps came creaking up the stairs. The intolerable distress of the situation woke the stricken resolution of the lads. They were about to spring for the closet when there was a crash of rotten timbers, and Injun Joe landed on the ground amidst the debris of the ruined staircase. He gathered himself up cursing, and his comrade said, Now what's the use of all that? If anybody's up there, let them stay there. Who cares? They want to jump down now and get into trouble. Who objects? It'll be dark in 15 minutes, and then let them follow us if they want to. I'm willing. For my opinion, whoever has those things in here caught a sight of us and took us for ghosts or devils or something. 
I bet they're running yet. Joe grumbled a while. Then he agreed with his friend that what daylight was left ought to be economized in getting things ready for leaving. Shortly afterward, they slipped out of the house in the deepening twilight and moved towards the river with their precious box. Tom and Huck rose up, weak but vastly relieved, and stared after them through the chinks between the logs of the house. Follow? <laughs> Not they. They were content to reach ground again without broken necks and take the townward track over the hill. They didn't talk much, too much absorbed in hating themselves, hating the ill luck that made them take the spade and pick there. But for that, Injun Joe would never have suspected. He would have hidden the silver with the gold to wait there till his revenge was satisfied. Then he would have had the misfortune to find that money turned up missing. Bitter, bitter luck that the tools were ever brought there. They resolved to keep a lookout for that Spaniard when he should come to town, spying out for chances to do his vengeful job, and follow him to number two, wherever that might be. And then a ghastly thought occurred to Tom. Revenge? What if he means us, Huck? Oh, don't said Huck, nearly fainting. They talked it over, and as they entered town, they agreed to believe that he might possibly mean somebody else, at least that he might at least mean nobody but Tom, since only Tom had testified. Very, very small comfort it was to Tom to be alone in danger. Company would be a palpable improvement, he thought. Wow. <laughs> That's chapter 26. My goodness. It was a long one, but worth it. Cool beans. All right, we'll continue on our next stream on Saturday night with chapter 27. Thanks so much for uh, joining me tonight. It's been a weird one. I haven't been able to hear myself all night. I hope everything is all right. <laughs> we'll find out in a minute. I'll see you on Saturday night. Thanks. Please like and subscribe, share, whatever. Hit the button. I uh, really appreciate it. Follow. Uh, it's absolutely free, and it really helps me out a lot. I appreciate that. Hit that subscribe button over there or up there or wherever it is. All right. Until Saturday, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>